You guys gonna do it tonight or what? Stop! The hell is that? What does he want? Can we help you? Maybe we're on his property. I mean, I turn your lights off. That guy was a freak. So let's get out of here. All right, let's go. Come on, he's gone. I don't think anyone's here. Hey, is that house of wax? It is wax. Literally. This is weird. Looks like a hell of a party. Look how detailed this is. Tell me this doesn't look real. <laughs> Saying that that's a real person underneath. They're all wax, everyone. Help! Please, somebody! I am being careful. theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Especially when I was looking at the timeline of things. Um, timeline? The timeline of things. Yes, the timelines of, of people that are in tonight's film. And who's here as well? Who's in tonight? Well, you're in the spoiler room. Thank you for venturing down the stairs, pulling up a chair, grabbing your favorite drink, and uh, talking movie spoilers with us. Yes, we have put behind us the family that slays together. And this month in September, it's so lifelike. Yes, that's right. We are looking at art and horror this month, mostly involving wax figures or uh, amusement attractions. We got a lot of, I think, interesting films I'm hoping they're interesting. I hope you find them interesting and, and my crew find it interesting because they're films that I find interesting, maybe not great, but interesting. 
And <laughs> there is there is a line in there. And help me define that line or or erase that line <laughs> is with me as always. The man keep coming back for more. Our good friend, Mr. Ian Simmons. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie, which I don't know if we've actually named yet. Have we, we have House not. I, well, you can't read the title. It says it right in the title. <laughs> the House of Wax, 2005, starring Alicia Cuthbert and uh, also appearances by Paris Hilton and Chad Michael Murray, among a few others. And Jared Padalecki. Come on, and, Supernatural's yes, Jared Padalecki. Okay. I've never watched Supernatural. My wife has. I have not because I don't have 14 seasons of my life to devote to an entire <laughs> series. Don't get me wrong. I've got friends who love the series. Mad props to them. I'm like, you know, maybe when I retire, uh, I'll sit down and watch them all or binge them. But I've got so much to watch, man. I, I don't know if I can do 14 seasons or 15, however many it ran. I can only vouch for the first season. I think I watched mm -hmm. a little bit of the second season, and mm -hmm. I just it kind of dropped off. But it's good. It's it's solid. That's well. That's CW what I hear. horror TV. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There's nothing. See, there's nothing wrong with CW uh, uh, TV, and that is like comfort food. It's like you know you you know kind of what you're getting, and that's okay because uh, usually there's some kind of entertainment involved with it most of the time. Um, and it makes you, you know, revisit your youth or what you wish your youth would have been uh, <laughs> for some of us. <laughs> and we got info bomb in the house tonight. So glad you could join us as always, uh, Robert. And yes, House of Wax 2005 from the director who brought us Jungle Cruise recently and uh, is uh, the upcoming Black Adam. So uh, <laughs> there you go, folks. There's some uh, bringing it back around to. Uh, current events, Yom uh, Colette Sierra, I, I think I pronounced Jom it. Jom Colette. Jom, thank you. Jom Colette Sierra. Sierra. Sierra, thank you. Got to pronounce it with that, that kind of like an Sarah. L thing to get the, the <laughs> French. <laughs> Jom Colette is Sierra. See, I wish I had a cool name like that. My name's Mark Krochik. It sounds like you're going over a speed bump with crackers in your hand and you accidentally crunched them when you went over the speed bump and they fell on the ground and then you're trying to clean up the dust and then you go over the spikes. That's what Mark Krochik sounds like. It sounds like, sounds like a freaking venereal disease. But anyway, uh, <laughs> which I did get that nickname in high school, but anyway. Oh my uh, God. Not that name, but they called me crotch checker. So, you know, it, there's worse things, yeah. Well, that's because you just hung out in the girls' uh, bathroom. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. No, <laughs> sorry. All the time <laughs> that we know of. No, uh, that was that was House of Wax. That, that was, was a different. Uh, that was a different wax. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, speaking of wax, since you are here, sir. Uh, I uh, would like you to give us a synopsis of House of Wax, if you could, please. I bet you would, but I'm not gonna. Okay, now, fine. Um, fine, be that way. We'll just sit here in silence for an hour. <laughs> so, uh, Jean-Colette Serra, uh, riding high on the zeitgeist of the horror remake of the early 2000s, uh, really loved the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He did. I thought... I would love to remake the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> with a CW actress running around in a white tank top, sweaty and bloody, but 
you know, that Jessica Biel and the um, the remake from a couple of years earlier had already beaten me to it. So what I'll do is I'll just take the title House of Wax and turn it into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, and that's the synopsis of this movie. <laughs> it's it is it is it is redneck horror. It is a genre, folks. Redneck, you know, uh, uh, backwoods horror. It definitely is. And watching it again this time, the first time I watched it, I was like, eh, okay, you know, it, it, the thing is there's, there's watching it again, especially uh, for the show tonight. My, my feelings initially were, okay, we watched it and it got probably a lot more wide release than it should have probably because it had Paris Hilton in it, which a year before the infamous movie came out uh, one night in Paris. And uh, she had done work before that, don't get me wrong, but she was still in the media. It was in the news and her along, you know, they put her in a horror film like this with a bunch of young experience, but still kind of up and coming. They were just exploding onto the scene, this cast. I mean, later on, they would go on and they're still acting today in a lot of very popular shows, some movies, but definitely TV shows from this film they they really exploded onto the scene though they were experienced beforehand um so this is a really interesting film there's there's talent involved it's not like they got a whole bunch of new people who only had maybe one film under their belt and it's it's a mixed bag for me how how'd you feel about it um i definitely i liked the movie a lot more watching it the other day for this show and it was mm -hmm. the first time since i'd seen it in the theater in 2005 yeah. And I didn't really care for it back then, I think, because, as I mentioned, it was part of the zeitgeist of these big screen well, yeah. or remakes. Texas Chainsaw um, came out like just two year, two or three years before this, right? Was mm -hmm. it like 2003, I think. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, plus, we had, you know, there were like Saw sequels and like I, I wrote a, an essay for a book that I don't even know if it, if it made the cut, but I mm. had to go back and delve into like early 2000s horror and like the different genres and spin-offs and sequels and things like that and i forgot just how much the multiplex like the marquees were dripping with blood every weekend because there was always some new horror to go see mm -hmm. and the benefit was hey there's new big screen horror every week the drawback is if you immerse yourself in enough of that stuff then eventually by the time you get to like house of wax in 2005 it's just like yeah, it's another Texas Chainsaw style ripoff with, you know, rednecks and there's a spooky <laughs> place and, you know, underground layers and guy with a mask and uh, this secret family history and all this other stuff. But, you know, 15 years removed from that, it's pretty cool. And I think part of it, honestly, is the time capsule thrill of it mm -hmm. because the, the amazing thing watching it now is all the people like the main cast were all like youth from popular tv right. shows you know alicia cuthbert came from 24 on mm -hmm. fox chad michael murray was on one tree hill on the cw jared padalecki was on gilmore girls um and then paris hilton was on some guy's jock um, <laughs> well she she had done a, i mean she had done a few other uh small roles and such you know before this in fact you know but they cut um, it all together into the same tape. Well, they, yeah. That, okay. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was around this time. I think she did the simple life um, yep. with yep. Nicole Richie yeah. and, mm -hmm. and all that. So, uh, yeah, it's, 
you know, it's fine. It's just, it's cool now to go back and see that, especially because now all these people are in their 40s to see them all like, they're like all 22 and and, and hot and everything. Um, and it's, I was surprised at how long this movie is. It's almost yes. two hours. Thank you. Yes. It surprised me too when I looked at the runtime. I didn't remember it being that. I'm like, holy crap, an early 2000s horror film that's almost two hours long? That's, you know, I mean, now you're like, oh, yeah, it's, that's, you know, it's less than two hours. Oh, man, that's, you know, short run time for a modern horror film. And you're like, but back then that was, you know, getting in, that was getting long in the tooth <laughs> as far as the, the time, run time for it. Yeah. And, you know, it, I think it's, it I don't know, it's pretty, it's pretty good. You maybe could trim some stuff here and there, but I kind of feel weird getting down on a horror movie that takes its time getting places and really tries to immerse the viewer in, you know, the story and everything. Um, but it does feel, yeah, like you mentioned, kind of a bit long in the tooth. It, well, the part in, I mean, cause in the beginning we get introduced, we get this flashback scene with the, you know, kid and abusive parents and that we don't know really the context of how these characters play into things later, uh, you know, and then you get your, your, your title. And then we get our group of youth uh, college folks who are headed to a football game <laughs> somewhere. It's going to be the game of the year. And of course, as always, like you said, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre formula, they decide to try to take a shortcut and run afoul of some, uh, you know, folks who live in the backwoods. Uh, there's an abandoned town, which was kind of cool. I loved I love the set design and the production, actually, of this. I thought the visual aesthetics were great um, yeah it but the weird thing is and this is no fault of the movie because the movie i'm about to reference didn't exist yet but it reminded me of the 2021 texas chainsaw massacre netflix thing where yes, they had the yes. abandoned town mm -hmm. that's connected to this crazy family or whatever i just kept having flashbacks to that but yeah the wax museum is great i mean the logo of the movie is like the kind of the bloody wax kind of popping throughout. I don't know if that was early CGI or if that was like practical effect that was just mm -hmm. made to look really cool and smooth. But yeah, I mean, the the house itself is really neat. Like the, the conceit is the entire thing is made out made of, of wax, wax, which is neat. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is that wonderful to early 2000s foreshadowing. Look, I'm all for foreshadowing. I know it's a major tool in filmmaking, but sometimes you're in a horror film they go into the film, the, the the building, and they make it a point a number of times, saying, "Wow, everything's made of wax." You're like, "Oh, that shit's melting," you know. Even if you never watched the movie before, you're like, "Oh, at one point something's gonna melt in this in this building, if not the whole building." You just they brought it up that it could melt, you know, wax like two or three times. Oh, it's made of wax, which plays into it later because one of the characters ends up running from the killer and he's trying to throw plates at him, but the plates are wax. So they, they don't have the same effect as ceramic plates. Oh yeah. And you get like the, at the climax when everything is on fire. Um, you know, I think Chad Michael Murray is trying to run upstairs, but he's, his feet are sinking into the stairs. It's almost like the nightmare Elm street <laughs> glue yeah. stairs thing. Yeah. It's, it's some, it's some cool ideas. Um, but yeah, the, the whole idea of the abandoned town, and yes, folks, this is a spoiler room if you hadn't caught the title. Um, you know, we learned that these two brothers are the only two people in town. Everybody else were people that they made into wax figures. Um, 
that's a creepy concept. And like I said, the buildings and everything and the town, I loved it that you've got a film, whatever was it, whatever happened to baby Jane is the film that stuck playing at the theater, which I thought was a great creepy film to include in here. You know, there's a lot of great elements in here. And then there's some not so great. It's like, it's a mixed bag for me to where I'm like, it's trying to be, you know, a slasher, a more modern slasher. And it, it's got the elements in there, but it, it does stumble a bit along the way. I, I, I'm, I can't, I'm having trouble separating this from a lot of the other movies that we've kind of talked about. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, I love the, when we get to see uh, Jared Padalecki's character, um, mm -hmm. He's the boyfriend of Alicia Cuthbert. I should probably actually bring up the names of these characters, but you know, honestly, who cares? Well, they got great. Um, they got great CW names. You've got Nick Page, Carly, Bo is one is the uh, Brian Van Holt. He's one of the two brothers. You got Dalton yep. and the Wade. other brother, the other brother Vincent, which is Vincent. probably a reference to oh, yeah. you know, Vincent Price. Yeah. That's the only real ref connection you have to the original house. <laughs> yeah, but so Jared Padalecki's character ends up. Um, there's a reference, not a reference, but um, sort of a hostile uh, motif yep. because there was something going on in the early to mid 2000s of people getting their Achilles heels uh, tendons uh, sliced open with giant scissors. Um, he gets, uh, you know, kind of incapacitated, ends up in this chair and this elaborate contraption in the basement that spray basically coats his body uh, in wax for this process. And I watched that and it was just, it's beautifully lit. It looks kind of like the layer from Jeepers Creepers mm -hmm. with a bit of the mechanics from a Saw sequel um, and just this kind of a terrifying idea of being trapped uh, in this hot, sticky stuff that's hardening and you can't you can't get out. And then there's a bit of a comedy bit where the the one of the doofus best friends discovers him in the House of Wax and it's like kind of touching him in peels off a bit of his cheek and then he starts peeling off more of his cheek by accident just coming off in sheets and you can see the guy his eye just like rolling up in the back of his head you can't tell if he's dying or if he's like what an idiot <laughs> and he's got a little tear too i mean it's it's yeah it is it is a severe scene and that you know vincent ends up he's hiding there because he knew uh dalton was coming dalton's this is the guy of course we're talking early 2000s so of course he has a handy cam uh which he, he videotapes which you know is just kind of his shtick um yeah it, it doesn't really play into anything except maybe later you know it, it kind of brings things back around at the end but not not really but um, <laughs> yeah i mean it's a, like we saw this in uh zach snyder's dawn of the dead a year earlier yeah you know, the whole like yeah handy cam thing is you you have got the one friend with the video camera which i take you know okay uh <laughs> that, that, you know if it wasn't me it was my buddy doc uh who i've known since you know uh forever and he always had the cam as well so you know because you never know when you can film something and and you know he does that and dalton does that and dalton's the one that peels the skin away from wade uh which is interesting uh vincent is the artiste of the two uh brothers that run that that are taking over this town but he's not who you think he is based off of the introduction because in the introduction scene we get we don't get to see anyone's faces one brother in a high chair is acting very good he's the good boy or whatever and then there's other one who's very violent 
And so, of course, they try to lead you to believe, well, Vincent is the one who is the violent one. But of course, no, it's Bo, kind of that Texas Chainsaw Massacre next generation where the good looking guy, well, 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 is actually the craziest one. <laughs> yeah. And I and they were like conjoined twins. Yeah, and, they were conjoined yeah. twins by the face. And they there were Simon twins. Yeah. Right. And that's why Vincent is, you know, very much deformed because I think they removed his face from like the back of Bo's head or something like that. Um He's missing he actually later on when the mask gets removed from Vincent, he's actually missing like a chunk of his face. It, it's fairly Good CGI for uh, 2005. Um, yeah, you know, uh, peeled away. Uh, but yeah, it it was. It's an interesting way they were conjoined, um, kind of playing off of the whole beauty idea. That's why you have the wax. You know, he's the artiste, and he makes all these people uh, look good, even though they're alive in inside wax. <laughs> Or they, they were. I mean, they, at one point, like, uh, I think it was in the movie theater, one of the wax figures gets their head blown off, and you see, like, bugs and stuff crawling out, which, if they were sealed in wax, I don't know how that happens. I can only imagine maybe that was, like, an earlier work. They hadn't I'm, quite got the seal down. <laughs> I'm thinking it was, or, you know, I mean, they've been, they were at it for years, so, you know, some of those may have just worn out in time. You know, wax does break down mm. a bit, so, and if the bugs smelt, something you know even if there was a little part in the wax that they could smell they they could have crawled into there um you know yeah maybe. it's it's yeah i mean it's a it's a cool premise i i did like the it's not misdirection but there's a nice callback when uh was it carly and wade first they mm -hmm. are going into town Yep. They get a ride from um, this, you know, the creepy redneck. I guess it's the roadkill driver is his name. They, played they by call Damon him roadkill. Yeah, roadkill driver. He's a hook later on. <laughs> huh? A hook? Well, not a hook, but a leave it open for a sequel. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, they were actually triplets. Um, but uh, so he offers to give the two of them a ride into town because the fan belt on the the car broke and they're mysteriously and, yeah yeah mysteriously uh so they get part way the guy smells he's kind of awkward and just they're getting this creepy vibe off of him uh he takes them down this path and he's like wait where um where are we go <laughs> why are we stopping here he's like oh well we got to venture just a little bit further and the town's just like right around that that area there and like i don't like where this is going we're just going to get out and walk so they walk they go into town they find this creepy town they find a church because i hear music coming out of it i think and they go up to it uh to try and find help and they go in and they see like this congregation and they see a priest up front and they see Bo kneeling down and it's very clearly a funeral going on yeah what i love is that the priest like looks up at them kind of disapprovingly like what are you doing here and then Bo turns around and sees them and he eventually follows them out much later when they go into that same church they realize that it was all fake like everybody in there was you know wax corpses even the priest so when they went in there the first time both of them imagined because they had no concept of what could be going on in this town 
they just imagined a priest was there and he probably looked up at us because we were interrupting this funeral ceremony completely with sound effects of people like murmuring and grieving and organ music and all this stuff. It's a brilliant touch that they didn't have to include in this movie, but it's a nice detail. Yeah, no, it, it's a great detail. And it, it also features the artwork of Vincent because the way it's shot, it's it's done fairly quickly. So people do look realistic, especially the priest. You find out later on the priest was a wax figure. You know, mm -hmm. they also do that later on when, uh, uh, when uh, Car uh, excuse me, when Carly is getting chased and she gets captured by Bo because she's on the run from Bo uh, a couple of times. At one point, she trips when she runs out of the church and he he holds her down. She thinks she sees a real person move a curtain and who lives in the house. And then we find out later once she, uh, Carly gets uh, rescued by her brother, uh, Nick, uh, we find out that's a wax on a, a motor. So, you know, th th this town is fascinating. It's, it's fascinating what these brothers have set up. And I think that's what helped brings it a little bit above what you might expect because you look at the work that was put into this town that they thought enough to where, well, if someone comes in, you know, they may look at the window of this old lady. So we'll make it look like an old lady or we'll look at like a funeral is going on. <laughs> you know, I mean, these guys thought it out. Well, it's and it's sort of a chicken and the egg thing, because mm -hmm. this movie would not have gotten made. I'm convinced if Texas Chainsaw Massacre hadn't kicked open the door. And oh, yeah. Such a smash mm -hmm. hit. Um, but. And I wasn't a fan of that movie. I, I like Texas Massacre, the beginning, uh, which came out like around this, I think the same time as this movie, mm, uh, better okay. than I liked the remake. Wow. But I feel like if that movie hadn't happened and yet Jean-Claude Sarah and whoever, did he write this as well? I believe, uh, no. Uh, no, Charles Belden, Chad, and Chad Hayes, Hayes. And, and Carrie, Carrie Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. Um, if they had just written this, as it was with as sort of um with inspiration from texas chainsaw because you can't convince me that, <laughs> that, that they no weren't. they're they're yeah it's definitely got uh, i think this would have stuck out struck out as being instead of just like oh they just ripped off the formula of the movie they came out two years ago mm -hmm. it would have been like oh this is kind of an interesting take on this movie from the 50s but mix, mixing it with a Texas Chainsaw aesthetic instead of just feeling like a ripoff. Because you're right, there's some artistic flair and care that went into this. I feel like the people making it didn't weren't aware of other horror movies. They thought that they were breaking new ground, even though we as the audience like, yeah, we've seen a hundred of these things in the last half decade. <laughs> well, you know, you don't know how long the project's been sitting out there before it gets greenlit. I mean, we've we've had yeah. that discussion about producers and that and the studio may have been sitting on this for a little while because these are the writers that would go on later on to bring us the Conjuring universe. The guys who wrote the screenplay here wrote the Conjuring films. So, I mean, you know, and those just took off. So they may have been sitting on this for a while and then the studio sees Oh, hey, that Texas Chainsaw film came out. Oh, Saw's now. Oh, horror. Not not just horror, but rated R, more mature horror is coming back. Oh, we can do this gritty films now. Um, you know, it, it was it, just an interesting time for horror with these remakes of making the more mature or, or more violent versions of, say, the uh, original. And sometimes they turned out better, some of them not. But maybe they've been sitting on this for a while. 
but it is you do see a lot of influences for me when i was watching i'm like oh it's folks in the 2000s trying to replicate the magic or whatever of a regular slasher film but for me like i said the runtime i don't mind the runtime it's just that there's there's bits and pieces in here they could have taken out like they didn't need the friends necessarily to go get caught in traffic and come back. I was just thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> they know? could have they could have stayed put at the campground right. while the other two went to get the fan belt and then nothing it, would have changed. Yeah, and it because that at them gone, yeah, it gives you the idea of of these folks being stranded, but you had that already because they head off into the truck with the crazy crazy roadkill guy um you know and they drive he says 15 miles away so they're it's not like it's just around the corner so these folks could have stayed at the camp you still could have had the thing where uh you know the couple wanted to make out and and you know the camera guy is like okay i'm third wheel uh you you know you could have done all of that and and trimmed some of that out because it almost takes you a little bit away from the atmosphere and it brings you back and then you're just like Oh, yeah, they're in the creepy town, you know, and for me, I, I guess the only thing that gets me at it, it they do that trope of all horror uh, of many slasher films is I'm like, how do you not suspect this? You know, yeah, how do you, you I mean, the guy, Bo telegraphs quite a, he, you know, I just like, eh, no, maybe it's because I've been in enough small towns. I'm like. You know, they, it's probably playing up to some kind of, you know, elitism. Like, what, what are they going to yeah. do? They're, they're idiots. You know, they're rednecks and they're harmless. Although they do get kind of freaked out when they see the giant pit of dead animals uh, that they <laughs> fall into, which was just, I mean, that hats off. That was a true, I wanted to wash my hands after seeing Alicia Cuthbert struggle through that pile of guts. That was that was amazing. Oh, the pile of guts was, the, that visceral look was just amazing. And that's where the the horror element takes, but that's almost an hour, you're almost an hour into the film when that actually happens. <laughs> it's not quite, but close. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, if you look at, you know, why didn't they suspect anything? Hmm. One thing that was kind of obnoxious, and I think they definitely could have trimmed out was, Wade, when he's going up to the house to use the bathroom and Carly is staying behind in the mm-hmm. truck, he like wanders off into this room and starts finding all this weird stuff and like making like he's like talking to himself and like, oh, what's this? I'm like, no, <laughs> because you don't know who else is in that house. I mean, you got freaked out enough by the giant pickup truck, which of course it turns out was the same creepy pickup truck that they got, mm-hmm. you know, driven there in. But yeah, it's just. It was dumb mm-hmm. slasher teenager behavior that I think <laughs> this movie's better well, than that. It, 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 well, that's the thing is once you start getting into things, I think is where I get, you know, I, the, the film really turns for me is when it starts to get into the actual horror stuff. And, and you know, uh, because I find the story of the two brothers interesting. You find why the town is the way it is interesting. It just takes a while to get there. And I think some people, many people check out because Carly is supposed to be kind of the most charismatic. And we find out later that her troublemaker ex-con brother, Nick, actually has a heart of why he went to jail in the first place. 
um, which was to actually protect his buddy Dalton with the camera. Um, you know, so he's the, this this brother sister are supposed to be the ones you connect. It was kind of hard. I mean, Carly, yeah. And Nick later on, maybe I, I feel a little bit more warmed up to him, but the rest of the their crew were fodder, and that's fine because I didn't I didn't give a rat's ass about any of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe the video the, camera guy. Yeah, me. Well, the thing is, like, I this is we kind of talked about this, but it was such a trope in the early two thousands mm -hmm. of having yeah. the video camera guy you know, down to like Cloverfield and all this other stuff that they all just kind of became, become the same person. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a porno movie called Camp Cuddly Pines Slumber Party Massacre or something like that. And even that had a guy with a video camera. It came out in like 2005 <laughs> or something. That's a hell of a title. How do you fit that on the VHS box? Oh, wait, it's 2000. That's not, so DVD, that's not, the, only, so. that's not the only thing you have to worry about fitting in a box. <laughs> But wow. by the way, it's amazing. Um, so, but no, like Robert Richard. Richard, it, yes. It's Richard with an apostrophe between the I and the C. That's awesome. Um, he plays Blake and then Paris Hilton. Um, plays his girlfriend, Paige. Paige, yeah. They, you know, their whole thing is they just want to, you know, make out with each other. But she's got to tell him that she thinks that she might be pregnant. And they never really answer that question. And I feel like the filmmakers trying to be kind of edgy, like, would we kill a pregnant girl? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Friday the 13th Part 3 beat them to it Yeah, <laughs> 20 years earlier. But it is still that kind of a, like, what are, they, what are we doing here? Because it keeps mm -hmm. coming up. And there's, like, conversations between the girls about, like, you know, do we tell them? And, you know, are you sure? And, like, that's not what this movie's about. But it's brief, though, too. The conversations are brief. That's another thing to where you could kind of take. You're right about it being edgy, but actually it doesn't really play into it at all. I mean, I could see. And folks, I'm prefacing this now that I'm doing this as an observation and not as I want any ill will and nor do I have a. Well, OK, I do have a twisted brain, but still the way she dies. You would think, OK, we're setting up the whole she might be pregnant so she gets maybe stabbed in the belly first and then kill, you know, that way. But she doesn't. She gets a good old spike to the head, and then he just pushes her straight down this whole pipe right through Paris Hilton's face. Um, excuse me, Paige's face. Uh, you know, a, a brutal, and it looks awesome. Practical effects in here, folks. Wow. Um, but at the same time, you're like, I forgot she even was pregnant by that time when she was or could be pregnant because they don't establish for sure whether or not she actually is. Um, and it doesn't really play into it. It's like they tr they're trying to add a little bit more layers to these characters. But is it really needed? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only way it, I think it makes sense really is if when she's in that factory or whatever mm -hmm. with all the cars and stuff and she's being chased by the killer if she begs for her life and says you know please i have a mm -hmm. baby or something like that and either he lets her go or he doesn't care or she dies on accident or something either way right um yeah i i joked at the time and i i still amused myself by thinking it's the second time in a year at this point that Paris Hilton has come famous for her head sliding down a pole. Ooh, 
wow yeah <laughs> Zing. For, forgive me yeah wow man um that, <laughs> where do you go from here no uh but you're right uh but again it, it's elements like that and i think they throw in a few other elements in here too like there's this you never really feel it it's almost like just like the the, the pregnancy subplot if you want to call it that with Paige, carly and wade supposedly have this bit of thing with them because carly's headed off to new york to be a photographer and you know get an internship and wade is sitting on the fence of whether or not he's going to go with her yeah but they're argument about it is almost like backhanded comments or offhanded comments while they're looking at like wax figures and that and it it barely comes up again i mean you know what i mean there you would think that this is supposed this conversation is supposed to have a little more weight and it, it doesn't it's almost like oh wait we got to throw in some character development here i don't want to go to new york and well i want to go to new york okay i love you i love you too <laughs> oh look at the beautiful wax dummy <laughs> it's you know, the only thing i can think of is it's something that i generally admire in horror movies which is the mm -hmm. idea that you have people just living their regular lives and they've yeah. got their own dramas and things and then they're cut short or interrupted by these these horrors that that befall them right but there's a way to do it well and then there's the house of wax way in which <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm looking at runtime. Like, yeah, you don't need the New York subplot. You don't need the pregnancy subplot. Let's come on. We, come on. we don't need to go get tickets. You already established you're not going to get tickets. You know, from the scalper or whatnot. Why are you even going? Um, and and you could have trimmed it down a little bit. And the reason I say that is you're going into this into a horror film and you get it teased and you see the trailer and that. I remember the trailer for this too. You know, it's like, um, okay, Paris Hilton's in here. You know, uh, and it wasn't she wasn't really that great in the media spotlight at that point in, in pop culture. She was, you know, uh, you know, not quite looked uh, too high upon or e even, you know, whatever. She, her name was out there, but not for necessarily the way. You, well, why you would want your name out there. Uh, no, I mean, that you're you are remembering it correctly and incorrectly. OK, um, she was insanely popular around this time. Now, it wasn't cool to like Paris Hilton, but there is no denying that she was a megastar at this point, yeah. That's what I was thinking of is the fact that it wasn't cool to like Paris Hilton. You're right, she was popular, but it wasn't exactly, uh, if you said you liked Paris Hilton, you were usually berated or, or given a hard time about, oh, whatever, you know, you know why you like, you know. So uh, there is that with her, but it's just, I don't know. If you stayed more with the horror element, I think I would have liked it a little bit more when I first saw it. Watching it now, it doesn't bother me as much because we've been through many two-hour movies <laughs> and horror films, you know, so it doesn't bother me as much. But looking at it going, if you just trimmed out some of those things and, and kept with that creepy atmosphere, I think you'd have a better horror film than what you have because those elements, those uh, kind of CW or WB, those youth storylines that we had seen in tv being brought kind of to a horror film while they might give characters a little bit more depth for this type of film it's like do you really need that in here because i will say that the 
uh, Carly and Nick dynamic are in, is interesting enough, and you have interesting enough setting and you know kind of villains that uh, I don't think you need really to add the extra subplots in there, especially if you're going to do them like just briefly mention and go on. I mean, you know, I never felt like this was an actual problem between uh, Carly and Wade. You know, it, it never really quite felt that serious, even though the subject of what was happening was it was just like the pregnancy. It just didn't feel like serious. Like, why are you even, you know, you're in a house completely made of <clears throat> wax. And that's far more fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you're going to make them be the final two instead of the, the brother and sister, because mm-hmm. at the end you could say, look, you know, I'm coming to New York with you. <laughs> you know, right. Um, we, we've been through this whole thing together. We can conquer anything, even the Big Apple, you know, something like that. But um, no, I, this, this movie reminded me of other movies, which was kind of fun. A couple of references even to Head of the Family. Oh, the whole ooh. idea of like the <clears throat> the detour, like the, mm-hmm. there's a, uh, a weird, creepy backwoods detour. There's the uh, the house at the very end, catching on fire and everything just kind of going to hell in the climax. That That um, is similar. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, there was something else that, let me see. What? Uh, oh, um, when they meet up with the, uh, with the roadkill driver. Yes. I was getting flashbacks, again, to a movie that wouldn't come out for another five years, but uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yes. Yes. Because I, I was like, this guy could just be harmless. I, I don't know if he's part of this you know, murderous cabal that we're going to run into, but there's just all these misunderstandings. Like, he was just trying to be nice to people. Like, oh, my God, he's a murderer. <laughs> oh, so good. It, it was. Yeah, I, I liked that guy, you know. And uh, they, do, they even play a little misdirection early on with him with uh, a hand sticking out of the pile of roadkill. And it turns out to be a mannequin hand, you know, he's like, oh, no, it's, it's a mannequin hand, you know, but they use this as a reason for Alicia Cuthbert to uh, remove the modest shirt that she had into the tank top that she would be wearing for the net rest. Like you said, the Jessica Biel tank top that she'd be wearing for the rest of the film. Um, it was just such an eye roll. Like I feel it like was. I don't think I did this in the theater at the time because I didn't pick up on it. But like I just imagine being in a theater and just like everybody going, "Oh!" Like when it, that tank top it, comes out. It was. It was like the tank top comes out. You know. Well, one, the way uh, Chad Michael Murray takes off the tank top too. You know, he's like to show off his his pecs. You know, so he's showing off his shirtless self as well, and then. You know, they, they, he gives it to his girl, uh, to his sister to, to wear. And you're like, ah, oh. you know, it's like, can you be any more obvious? <laughs> she yeah. did bring another change of shirt back at the tent or whatever. You're going to have her change now, you know? Well, I look, if I was in a pile of like, you know, months old rolled kill guts, I, I'd want to get out of that as soon as possible. I'm just, Kind of surprised she didn't take off the bra, too, and, you know. I, I would, you know, <coughs> in a good way, but it, you almost expect the way the whole thing is just shot and set up. You're just like, oh. And, of course, uh, our our roadkill boys are like. <laughs> <laughs> and you got Dalton, like, holding up the holding yeah. up a, his shirt or something, like, trying to yeah, shield her. Yeah. Wade tries to, he steps in front between 
her and the roadkill guy. And, you know, they're suspected of the roadkill guy. They're like, oh, no, no, we'll walk. And like, oh, I'll give you a ride. They're like, oh, that's very nice of you. I'm like, wow. I'm like, you guys turned <laughs> on a trusty dime. Yeah, that was a little, <laughs> little too convenient there. It, it was. It was. <laughs> um, I'm trying to see. Uh, we got to. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Hmm? I was going to say. Oh, no. Oh, no, you had. <laughs> I was just going to say, we just have a couple comments here. Uh, oh, yeah. from Mr. Infobomb. Uh, he stated that uh, Beale was in Seventh Heaven, which aired on the WB and many WB stations, later became part of the CW network. Uh, so it's halfway to CW status. Yeah, that's true. And and you had UPN in there as well, which uh, got absorbed. And Paris Hilton is not my idea of a talented actress by Mr. Robert Bond. Does anyone think she is? Um. Depends on the role, uh, you know. Yeah, I thought she was good in this. I mean, mm -hmm. like, it's one of those things where, and again, it goes back to her being a very divisive pop cultural figure, right? Because she's, you know, a, a millionaire or a billionaire at this point. She's, you know, rich and entitled, and she's on TV, and she had a sex mm -hmm. tape, and she's famous for all the wrong reasons and stuff. So it's easy to put on the hate watch Paris Hilton hat when watching House of Wax. But if you're evaluating her performance, honestly, she's no worse than the, you know, the best friend who's getting, who's bound to get murdered in any of these horror movies. I mean, yeah. she can, she can act. Mm -hmm. There's, oh. There is a difference between people who cannot act and people who can't act well and people who are just aren't impressive. And then there's like stars. Um, and I think she's she's fine in this movie. She she can act given the right roles. It just depends on what roles she ends up able to get. And unfortunately, you know, put in a specific category in Hollywood, some it's really hard to get out of that category at all, and, and maybe play a different role. Um, you know, it, not not that she's at the caliber at all of Kristen Stewart, but Kristen Stewart for a while had the had the Twilight, you know, yoke around her neck whenever she she would appear on screen or in some project people would call her bella though she had other projects that she was phenomenal in and, and it was because of the script or the part she ended up getting or the director so it, it's know. a great comparison because i yeah i remember like during that whole bit where the twilight movies were coming out mm -hmm. i mean i was not impressed with her as an actress because mm -hmm. I felt that she had a thing. Like, this is before she started doing movies really beyond the range of Twilight, like the whole kind of art scene she got into. Yeah. Um, because she had that, she would carry that Twilight shtick over into mm -hmm. everything, where she's putting her hair back behind her ear and kind of like, ah, ah, you know, ah, like whatever. Ah, ah. I'm like, do you need to see a doctor? What What's going on? But it's but it's the same thing with, uh, with Paris Hilton. It's very easy to take... Mm -hmm. one thing and just kind of like brand her with that you know yeah with that broad brush i you know for robert or you mark or anybody mm -hmm. else who's interested there's a great documentary from a couple years ago called this is paris um which is about her life and some of the things that she's gone through mm -hmm. and what it's like to just be paris hilton um right. actually know the uh, the director alex dean oh, um okay. she became she like lived with paris hilton for a while and got all this you know raw footage and stuff so it really is a an on this on the ground on the scene film so yeah it's easy to make fun of her as a pop icon but uh to experience her as a human being i mean i'm not saying it's a performance 
<laughs> but if you're wondering if she has the capacity with, as you say, the right material, what mm -hmm. could she do? I think the answer is in that documentary. Nice. Nice. I, I'll have to see, uh, check that out because, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where typecasting happens. Uh, you, you get pigeonholed and it feels bad because you feel bad for the actors because they, they can't seem to sometimes shake that. I mean, you know, poor Mark Hamill. <laughs> you know, for the longest time, he'd get a role and go, Oh, look, Luke's in this one. He's like, I what is it? You know, and then and then he did the voice acting in Batman the animated series, still my favorite animated series of all time, and not just because it's Batman. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you get you the first I remember the first time I saw the Joker, you know, this was before internet was huge, so you didn't quite go look, you're watching it, and all of a sudden you're like wow, that's an awesome Joker. And then you saw in the credits, you're like, wait, Paul, you know, Mark Hamill is the Joker? <laughs> you know? There was a guy named Mark Hamill who played Luke Skywalker. What are the odds? <laughs> Weird. No way. <laughs> but, you know, it, it it takes it takes that to kind of break that yoke. And I think, you know, especially with her and her, her family history and the whole thing in the real world and pop culture, you've got that around her. But there is talent there. Um, you know, and I, I've kind of learned that over the years with it, because when she was first out, and it was pop culture and you're buried in the middle of it and you're still kind of young. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, the minute you even mention the name, you're just like, what, do you like her? I'm like, what? <laughs> nah, uh, but bringing it back to this film, it's like, do you like this film? Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I think there's a lot to like. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, yeah, there, there's some cool stuff going here. Another scene that I thought was really well filmed mm -hmm. was um, Carly gets uh, cornered in the, the basement of the house, ends up in the kind of the, the workshop, strapped to a chair. Bo super glues her mouth shut. Yeah. And it's just, it's not even like a wildly elaborate gag of her, like, mm -hmm. getting her mouth back open. It looks just realistically painful, like, oh, my God, my mouth, my my lips hurt right now, trying to imagine prying them apart. But she eventually escapes, and that's uh, Nick ends up in the street, like, in the auto shop, talking to Bo, like, hey, have you seen my sister? And at one point she gets her hand up mm -hmm. into the grate, like the sewer grate. And she's like feeling around trying to signal for her brother. Bo sees this, Nick does not. Bo kneels down and from the from our, from our Nick's point of view, we're looking down on him and he's got a shoelace flopped out like he's tying his boot. And what he's doing is reaching into his pocket to get out some fucking like- Snips, the, yeah. The snips and he cuts off the tip of her finger. It's just so oh. well done. And, and what's even better, what, what is the, the the coup de gras of that scene, if you will, is he doesn't just cut off the tip of the finger. He then picks it up and puts it in his pocket for later, for keepsies, which just adds that little extra level to it. And, yeah, the fact that he does that while the brother is right there. Now, the only thing I will say is you do get the come on moment. She's got a metal bar hanging from her wrist, and there's plenty of pipes there that she could have banged on with it rather than just sticking her finger through the grate. Cause I mean, it's literally dangling from her arm cause she manages to get an arm free yeah. that's attached to a metal bar. And there's lots of other metal pipes there. And if her mouth is, you know what I'm just saying, and I understand 
panic in a moment or whatnot, but still they do play her character as being, you know, she, she is, uh, has some critical thinking to put it, to, to put it that way, you know, uh, and that just surprised me that she wouldn't have thought that, that she figured sticking her finger through the grate and, and through the rather than grabbing the metal that's on her wrist and banging it against the other metal. I think that's the only part of that scene where I kind of wish they would have handled it differently. Um, but, you know, Nick, Nick here is at least showing his street smarts of going not not trusting this bow guy, really, even even when Bo thinks he's got him convinced. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's just some nice interplay there. Oh, um, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I like Chad Michael Murray a lot. Mm -hmm. I just feel like you needed someone who had more of a, not badass, but just more of a villainous kind of mm -hmm. character to him. Because the moment I saw him and he's like drinking and he's like, he's the bad brother. I'm like, oh, that's right. This is, you know, not even in 2005. Yeah. But it's like, oh, I forgot. He's just going to be the guy who's like the bad brother, but he's not really that bad and he's going to mm -hmm. survive. And I think it would have been interesting if there had been more of a, a contrast, if he had been more sinister and greasy like Bo. So his hero turn was more of a revelation instead of like, oh, yeah, it's the CW guy. Of course, he's going to be the hero. <laughs> Though, I, you know, Chad Michael Murray, he'd go on later. Uh, he's actually one of my favorite parts of the movie Fortress with Mr. Bruce Willis. Uh, which mm. came out uh, that was part of my uh, uh, Willis watch. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Reviews. He was in that and he was one of the best parts because he played the crazy villain there. Um, almost wish that villain was in House of Wax because he just he sells it. He just chews up the scenery. And in here. Yeah. He you know, I almost I would have liked it. I think I think I think it would have been a little bit more creepy for uh, for the uh, um, bow character to stay in that suit that he was in with the funeral. Yeah. Because, because uh, you know, you do have Nick, who's kind of the clean-cut ex-con brother, who you never really get the impression that, yeah, he's been in trouble, but he's still got, you know, you never really feel like this is the bad, bad boy, like the evil brother. He, he even says it, you know. Uh, but Bo, when we first meet him, he's all up in black and got his hair slicked back and looks totally not like you would expect in a kind of backwoods town like they portray it in. And if you would have, I think, stayed with that image, I think it would have been a great better contrast between him and Nick. Otherwise, you know, there, there really wasn't. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's a whole, yeah, the whole notion of siblings, I think you could have played with because you've got yeah. the, the two siblings the the evil and the two siblings mm -hmm. who are the good ones and you know one pair dies and the other pair right. lives but i think yeah you really could have done something with that because yeah carly was a photographer which is you know an artistic inclination and uh nick mm -hmm. was not it 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 is a nice pairing i feel like there was a draft or two where they dug into this more and then they're like no, this is a this is a horror movie. We got to get this out in front of like as many eyeballs <laughs> as possible. Leave your highfalutin, you know, psychology psychology couch shit on the cutting room floor. Well, well, let's not forget that Carly and Nick are twins. They yeah. they mention at one point that they're twins, that she's the good twin and he's the evil twin. And then you've got the Bo and Vincent characters who are also twins. Yes, if you aren't noticing the parallel. <laughs> 
<laughs> between these two. One's artistic, like you said, one's evil. And it's touched on, but not fully explored more than would have could have been interesting in that you it would have been interesting to see a bit more of a di a, a, a back and forth between the pairs of mm -hmm. of siblings versus just going on right away to the killing granted i'm not usually one for like exposition and heavy dialogue but i think you could have played like you said done some interesting interactions or explorations with the two pairs of siblings either one strapped to a chair and talking or whatever you know something but i mean all we get though with especially with vincent and Bo, is just a rehash of like chop top and leatherface yeah <laughs> you know it's just it's it's so mad i mean that's the thing is i keep saying how how much like bad stuff there is throughout this movie i still really like this movie i don't know it's... i don't know what's going on it, it's entertaining because it does still have a, a the, the old school slasher spirit, which is what I noticed a lot more in this one than the first time I watched it. In that it it, it is trying to capture that spirit. You can tell, you know, they've they've watched other slasher films, and and those are influenced here. And as we mentioned tonight, there are a number of scenes throughout this movie that you'll say, "Oh, hey, that's." That movie, you know, that Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meme going, oh. <laughs> you, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna catch him, uh, in here. Oh yeah, uh, there's even the the early line on. I think it was from Bo who said, you know, this town used to really be something until they put in the highway. I'm like, that's right out of Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of other influences uh, put into this film. Uh, you know, and it's not as bad as I would say the Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating says, or even some people or some of the flack the film has. I'm not saying it's great cinema by any means, but there's there is entertainment to be had here. Uh, but I fully admit some of the the it could have used a little more editing and trimmed down to to keep more of that horror element because. Uh, the horror elements in here are great. I mean, like we mentioned, the makeup and gore effects in here, like when she gets her finger cut off and like you, you said with the, the super glue and even later on when they run into one of the wax, when she runs into one of the wax figures and the arm falls off and it's actually got a femur and you could see some, you know, some of the visceral meat. I mean, practical effects wise, they look really good, the, the makeup effects. Even some of the digital stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. like when Dalton gets his head cut off, um, you know, the, the kind of the crossed blades, and then you see, and it's all from his POV, but then we cut away from that because Vincent, I think it was Vincent, yeah. drags yeah. the body away from the blades. Um, and then his head rolls over and blinks a couple of times at the camera like, Oh, <laughs> and it, it looked good too. It, I mean, for a 2005 film, that looked good. That was a good gimmick that they had and they have a few others too uh in this as well to where you look at the what they did and you're like wow that that's actually very cool <laughs> you know that looks really good um especially like you said when they're there when he's going after uh when he's after going after nick and carly and bo is shooting with the double barrel shotgun and he's blowing the heads off the wax figures you can see like the skull and kind of the brains and such in there Oh yeah, and when um, Bo gets 
<laughs> shot with a bow and arrow um, or a crossbow, crossbow, whatever it was. A yeah. crossbow. Oh. Yeah, and he oh. becomes a very crossbow. Um, they <laughs> leave him for dead, but he comes back. And the scene in the kitchen where he rips the oh. arrow out through the bicep, I'm like, there's no good way to go because you've got, you know, the flesh on the other mm. side and then you've got like the metal, the crazy metal spike arrow on the mm -hmm. the other. Oh, my gosh. It's, and then, it's so hard and to he's, watch. He's got an arrow in the chest, which don't think about biology at all, folks, because you'll be less like, no, that punctured a lung. His chest should have exploded by now. But don't think about that. Don't think about that. OK, because <laughs> it's a horror film. Don't think about biological logics. Uh, what I will say, it does come into play later, though. Uh, when he's fighting Nick, and it's funny because I forgot how this film kind of how some of the fights went down. So he's fighting Bo, and I'm like, grab the arrow sticking out of his chest, grab the arrow. And then finally he did, and I'm like, thank you, dude, because Bo's like choking him and almost getting the other head. And then Nick finally goes, oh, and starts wiggling it. The guy's like, oh, and I'm like, about time you should have went with that first, you know. Um, the action sequences, I think, are well well done. Um, there, there's some tension in here. Uh, when Bo, a great scene, another one of those great moments in this film, is where Bo goes into a church after Carly has initially got away from him, and she's hiding in the church. And you don't know exactly where she's hiding, and neither does Bo, and he's searching for her. And it's actually kind of an, one of the more tension-filled moments because you're like is he going to find her or not um and and it's done well and she actually surprises you where she's actually hiding um mm -hmm. because you think maybe it's in the pulpit or underneath the coffin of his mom which again psycho callback <laughs> keeping mom preserved um though they did a better job of it than norman norman needed some wax yeah he needed, he needed some wax man just you know preserve mom better the heck well he preserved her in his brain though so there you go <laughs> well there's but there's a scene um i think it's the big climactic house chase mm -hmm. they end up in uh, breaking through a wall or something yeah or oh doesn't yeah. she well does she put a crib like in front of a yeah door? there's a wax crib there's a wax crib because they recreate the bedroom when they were a child and complete with the conjoined headed babies right and i was just thinking please let's just get a shot to show that there are not actual like babies in there because i was thinking yeah. like in order to recreate this scene they could have had abducted some toddlers or, or some and covered in wax yeah right but they very very clearly hollow like a like a chocolate easter bunny well they're um, brown so like chocolate so it made me think of chocolate actually like oh <laughs> I don't want to eat during this movie, but, but we do um, get that symbolism in there too. So. Right, and and even uh, there's some really nice symbolism. Like again, it's it's easy to write this movie off, but the the people behind it, you can tell they had some kind of a vision, or they want to put a stamp on it. Mm -hmm. Because at the end, when Vincent is finally, you know, Bo is defeated, he dies on the the kind of the ground level, and then there's a big fight on the second floor everything starts to melt because everything's on fire vincent i think gets tossed or falls through the floor or something and he falls and he lands directly on his brother and then they start to melt into the ground like they're descending into hell but they it's like stomach to or like stomach to back on, so yeah stomach to back just as the way they were born right with the with you know the 
complete with their heads in the same position. Yeah, and Vincent Vincent is the one that ended up losing more of his face from the surgery, and it's his that side of the face is actually laying on his brother's face, and they're looking at the camera. And yeah, you're right. I mean, that's the thing is there's there's care put in some of these shots and the symbolism, uh, like we mentioned with the uh, crib. There's the wax babies that are the conjoined who get cut in half when Vincent is going after Carly and he cuts through the wax door and he cuts through the babies as well. So, I mean, you know, they're trying, they're trying to do something. Um, you know, if you could get over the clunky parts, there's, there's some good stuff in here, actually. Yeah. I get a lot of, I get a feeling there's a lot of, uh, either on set or in the concept stage of, wouldn't it be cool if, Mm-hmm. instead of you know okay here's where he chases her and then what how can we kill her in a creative way no that's like hey let's let's draw on the duality of these characters and, mm-hmm. and do some really creative stuff and i i loved at the end when carly and nick are escaping this burning house they actually push out through the house of wax logo yes it's just kind of a neat neat well, effect what, what's even better is they're they're on the second floor the whole staircase and everything is melted away the balcony that they were on was melted away and that's when they figured they could dig through the the wall and they're yeah they're with the house of wax but the house starts to melt so you're like well how are they going to get down because they're like on a second story but the the sign melt as the house melts they get lowered to the ground floor and then they could just crawl out onto the ground and i liked that bit too i'm like okay that's 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 kind of cool <laughs> yeah and even you mentioned the the hook with yeah. the uh, roadkill driver at the end. I don't even know if that's, I mean, I know it was meant to be a hook, but they don't mention that character as being connected to anything. Um, they, in terms of what's going on at the house or that town, mm-hmm. it's possible he was involved in it, but they don't make reference to there being a third person, except for the fact that he was the third sibling like I don't know if they were triplets or they just had no th- if she had three babies. They um, they don't say for sure. It's just the cops did a report in the CDIC or whatever. They looked up in the database and she had three babies, not two right. sons. And, and Carly is when she's driving away, she sees him with the dog that had been yeah. in the house and all that stuff. So it's entirely possible, but he could also have disowned these brothers and be like, "That's why." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and help me out with something. Hmm. This is 15 miles away from where the cars broke down, like that campsite. Yes. Why did Vincent go out there to kill Blake and go after Paige? I, that was what I was trying to figure out. And it seems like uh, Bo was even trying to figure that out because Bo said, you're not supposed to leave anywhere without me. Um, but Vincent was out there before. He was the one, I think, with the camera, and he's the one that cut the belt, I think. I don't think it was Bo. I think it was, it may have been, well, no, it would have probably been Bo, because Bo was out there earlier, and he knew they were out there. But yeah, the, cam- I, I the just camera. Re- I just, I just realized that roadkill driver guy, it was his truck, and that's when Carly realized it and put it together, right? Well, no, or no was that, was, that truck. was Bo's truck. It right, was Bo's okay. truck, because Wade goes in to <clears> use the bathroom, she can't wait.